0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: I'm my like chip outs, man. I got this, yeah.
2: Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are starting off December, right? We are recording this on December 1st. We got a sexy-ass panel here today. We are excited for episode 22. We got the usual DK Capper MMA. or what up, MMA Ankle Kapper, Pick Nation?
0: Or MMA Capper DK. MMA Capper underscore DK. Find me on Twitter. There you go. To that one person who hasn't
2: followed him yet, get on it. It's a great time. We also have Kobe, who is... Another usual. He's also the guy who narrates the .5 episodes. If you haven't caught those, I highly suggest them. They're great. Kobe, how's it going?
1: Good, casual, usual, whatever you want to call me.
2: whatever it is, whatever, whatever floats your boat. I wear them as long as you're drinking some beer. I'm happy. And then the most important news of the evening: back-to-back appearances for none other than the Parker Rios. Parker, we're happy to have you here. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm happy to be back.
2: So we got a full panel. We're excited. Just like last week, we're going to start off with Stars of the Week. As always, we love hearing your guys' opinions. Follow us at AnklePigPod on Twitter. Give us feedback and uh, interact with us. We love it. It's a great time. So starting off for Stars of the Week,
0: Danny. Yeah, so my first Star of the Week is a woman who made me a little bit of money, Gina Mazzani. She was my return to betting women's MMA. uh, And she just looked on a whole other level than Rachel Ostavik in there. She absolutely was able to do it at anywhere and everywhere and got the finish late in the third round, which is great for her. I don't think that Ostovich's future in the UFC is going to be too deep. I see a future Bellator match with her and Valerie Lareda peeking Scott Coker's eye.
2: Mm, mm. She also could always go the OnlyFans route. I know I would sub. The other thing too that I want to mention about this, Gina Mazzani, this is directed at Danny. She's
0: currently dating and involved with Tim Elliott. Thoughts on that? Yeah, Tim Elliott, one of my favorite people. Love to hate. <laughs> love, love when he's in the mix. I've actually got a tidbit on him on news and notes later. Oh, I'm excited for that. So I was one
2: of the things I was addressing to some friends was Gina Mazzani, TKO's, Rachel O's to bitch with a liver cake. Rachel Ostevitz leaves the ring, looking sexy as fuck. Gina Mazzani leaves the ring, going back to Tim Elliott. Who's the real winner, Danny? Who's the real winner?
0: Um, I'll take the woman who didn't get liver kicked.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The other thing, too, we'll get to uh, our ankle lock of the week later. Last week, ours got called off. We really like Curtis Blades in that spot. That got scratched. But Gina Mazzani worked as an ankle pick pick lock for us, kind of, as we both – wrote her for multiple units last week and both cashed out. So that was a good win for us. The line steamed up a little high, but we loved it. That was actually my second star. My first star is a combo. It's it's a combination of Maness's chin plus Sanders' IQ is going to get star number one for me because Maness took an absolute beating from Luke Sanders. I mean, an absolute beating, took a couple, a lot of one-twos to the chin, landed a couple good uppercuts as well. He stayed standing. And then, just like we've seen in the Erie Contra fight, and I actually called this on Twitter for any of those who follow us there, that Luke Luke Sanders' IQ is going to beat himself. And lo and behold, he did it again. He overengaged, and it cost him again. So not surprised there. I actually do, even though that fight was a great one, I actually do see Sanders potentially getting the pig slip there. I wouldn't be surprised. He, he's dropped too many. He I mean, he dropped one to super It's just not great IQ. Need, he definitely needs to work on that because the physical's there. Kobe, what's your first star for last week?
1: Sumo Derji. Quick knockout round one. Got him with a bunch of lefts. That's Malcolm Gordon he got. And uh, yeah, Malcolm Gordon eventually after just taking a couple lefts real good, he kind of just gave himself up to the mat and muderji's coming out of champ.
2: <clears throat> Another guy who I foresee seeing a pink slip is Gordon. He... Looked like absolute shit and almost looked like he kind of gave up there for a second. Danny,
0: second star, what are you going for? Yeah, my next star moving up the card a little bit is Bill Algio, And I know Mm. that you mentioned a quasi-ankle lock. This one felt like it as well with both of us on one side of a Malort bet on the underdog. Uh, This one played out exactly how I thought. Spike Carlisle was a crazy ball of energy the whole time. Um, until he ran out of energy halfway through the fight and allowed Bill to kind of pick him apart. This was a fun one.
2: Yeah, this and this went very similar to how we broke it down on the podcast. And Bill Algio put up a great performance against Ricardo Lamas last time out, short short notice, no less. And Spike Carlisle has similar tendencies to Luke Sanders, where they're physically gifted and they're tough, but they either gas out or end up beating themselves. So that worked out for us, another ankle lock. And... A malort bet, which honestly felt even a little better than the real money. My second star for last week is going to go to Jonathan Pierce. Uh, that one cost both of us our parlays and a lot of other people their parlays. Kai Kamaka came in all the way up at his highest to so like a 320 favorite. He would open around in the 250, 260 range. I threw him in to add an extra 70 cents of value. Wasn't worth it. Bit me in the ass. Jonathan Pierce looked great. Second round KO, TKO, but that round, it was in round two. He got full mount and was just absolutely beating him. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think that was a 10-8 round if it did hit the cards anyway. So Kamaka is no slouch, and Jonathan Pierce absolutely pieced him apart. And honestly, well-deserving of the second star for me. Danny, you got a third star.
0: Yes, uh, I do. In the co-main event, Miguel Baeza is a guy who recently I talked about considering for the – ankle lock, but we ultimately went with Blades. Um, and He's a guy who put on a show. He was one step ahead of Takashi Sato the whole way, picking his shots, picking him apart. Uh, he put on a grappling clinic in that last minute with the takedown leading to the submission. Uh, and he remains undefeated. He's an exciting guy to look forward to in the future.
2: Yeah, and there was one that a lot of people were discussing. There, there potentially could be value on the knockout there for Sato. The line was only as 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 high as or as low as plus one seventy, which isn't the craziest line of the night, but absolute domination for Baeza, And I agree with you. So my third star is quasi a a negative, but it's it is it actually is a negative. I don't say quasi. So this star goes to Parker Porter. But what I'm going to title this star. Is Josh Paridi, Parisian's cardio, cardio coach? It's the only way to describe it. The guy instantly gassed at a minus two twenty favorite and looked like absolute shit. That was a heavyweight bout that was supposed to hit the under one and a half and just absolutely coasted to the over with guys throwing absolute pillows for brains. So yeah, nothing, nothing impressive on that one. Nothing good, but I think Parisian beat himself. And for a Tuesday night contender series guy that I know Dana White takes very seriously is having a lot of good prospects come out of there. I was very disappointed in his performance because I know Parker Porter is an extremely fadable guy. So that, that looks really bad. So whoever, whoever Parisian's cardio coaches, I think he needs to also get pink slipped because that was embarrassing. Any other stars? I know it would be a shame to not mention Anthony Smith. So maybe we do an ankle pick whole star of the week. Anthony Smith got a first round submission over Devin Clark and, Danny, both you and I picked Devin Clark there at a small underdog as a spot to hit. I liked it, especially in a five-round bout. But again, the thing I hammer, podcast after podcast, experience, age, and Anthony Smith showed that there.
0: Devin Clark just shot
2: straight into a triangle and it was pretty quick work for him.
0: Yeah, exactly what you were saying. It's not what I expected from Devin Clark. I thought he'd have a little bit more of an educated submission defensive game but yeah Anthony Smith great work it's not often that you see a traditional sub off the back in a main event spot and it was that set it's so set up too I
2: mean you 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 could see Devin Clark getting caught in it and not adjusting and just it getting tighter and tighter And there you go he had to tap so that's it for stars of the week a lot of good things to talk about last week we definitely missed a couple but nonetheless a great card and It turned out to be better after that late main event scratch. So moving along, we are going to update the ankle lock. So as we talked about last week, our ankle lock was Curtis Blades. He didn't go. COVID-19 for him. So him and Derek Lewis got scrapped. We didn't end up picking the new ankle lock. We didn't want to give an ankle lock on short notice because we hold our ankle locks in high regard. Kobe, do you have our ankle lock record on hand by chance? I have been two. Five and two. So there are no slouches. We also have taken, I think, three dogs. So about 50% of the time, we're on the dogs there. Um, so ankle locks are definitely worth a listen. This week, ankle lock of the week, Danny and I were talking for a little while on this one. And we settled on,
0: Danny, I'm want to do the honors? Because this is your boy. Yeah, definitely. This is one I'm really excited about. It's Roman uh, I'll I'll get into the breakdown more when we get into the main event but he's a prospect who's undefeated out of Georgia and I'm really excited about him he's super powerful super fun and this should be also fun play at minus 175 yeah we were also able
2: to get him at minus 175 over
0: on bet 365
2: so depending on where and what book you have you might be able to get better value than that or I've seen him as high as minus 190 I think but there's Definitely value there, and stay tuned because Danny will break that down when we get to the main event challenge. And that's one of the guys that Danny's highest on as far as the prospect ranks go. So a lot to watch out for this weekend as far as the prospects go. So I'm excited for that. Carrying along, we got news and notes. So, Danny, news
0: stories. What do you got? Something I think we might have briefly mentioned, but I'll just bring it up again because it clears space for a lot of the fights that we're going to bring up that just got booked. Is the Jan versus Aljo fight getting pushed or canceled? I'm not really sure the status, but that one's up in the air. and I'm feeling bad for Aljamain Sterling, who's maybe getting passed over once again. Have they announced the reason
2: for the cancellation? Was it COVID-related?
0: Was it camp-related? Was it visa-related? What what was it? I think it's camp-related for Piotr Jan. Uh, they didn't get into if it was an injury or not. I think that it might be personal reasons and he's just, yeah,
2: it could be injury could be. And I don't know Jan's status, but a lot of his fights have been in, whether it's been in Abu Dhabi or in Russia or wherever the UFC went pre COVID era. So may, it could even be something as simple as a, a passport issue. So a visa issue. So who knows? I do feel bad for Alger though. It's impossible not to. He gets passed up time and time again. And they were even talking about doing some sort of, Yam's going to do some sort of super fight. I know Sehuda was saying like, oh, I could take Jan, whatever. So hopefully Alger gets his well-deserved shot, but we'll see. It's just continuing to be in the midst. Um, something I have, if you haven't even bothered Trek EMA news at all, I don't know how else you would possibly miss this, but Leon Edwards now has COVID and the Cosmot fight is now officially dead. I know that Cosmot had it. I believe, and, they, and it was in speculation, or there were some reasons it was in speculation. Now Leon has it as well. It is, absolutely, it is officially strapped. So for all those people looking forward to that one, that's
0: gone. I'm hoping they bring that back, though. And it sounds like Leon is really, really struggling with it. So thoughts with him, and hopefully he recovers well and can he's get struggling back into the with, octagon with the COVID symptoms. Really? Yeah, like
2: really, really in bad shape. Oh, man. I That's always scary to hear. This is unprecedented times, and even athletes is in as good a shape as Leon Edwards. There's some sort of randomness to it. So hopefully he's doing all all right, and hopefully it's a really quick recovery
0: for him as well. And, that's sad to hear. And obviously that means that there's some space, some open space on the card. Uh, and it was just announced that Alex Morono versus Anthony Showtime Pettis Is going to step in, and I don't know if they're the main event, but they're going to be added to that December 19th carton. and that'll be a banger of a fight. Yeah, that's a massive step up for Alex Morono. He's been in the UFC for a long time, and they respect him a lot.
2: But Showtime Pettis, although he hasn't performed well as of recent, still one of those names. I mean, he's he's definitely going to be in the Hall of Fame without a doubt. So that's a great fight for Alex Morono. I'm excited to see that one. And he most certainly will probably be a dog there as well. So potentially some ankle value. Later that's still on an that awesome one.
1: card, too, that that last fight of the year, that December 19th.
2: December 19th is going to be the last fight of the year. I don't. They usually do want to round the New Year's time. They usually pack December. But with COVID era, you never know anymore. So I, I don't want to be quoted on anything. But it looks like you're right. It goes all the way up to December 19th. So we're going to have a couple of weeks off there. That That's a bummer. I always like having my New Year's spoken for. It's what it is. So continuing along, this one is probably the craziest news story you're going to hear throughout the total all sports world. There was an intergender MMA fight, a women's bantamweight, didn't knock out a men's bantamweight, didn't fight a men's flyweight. She fought a 529-pound man and KO'd him. I mean, where else are you going to hear that? That is ridiculousness. Who's Shiner fight? shiner shiner fought a bantamweight woman and got ko'd and that is why he's not on the podcast this week he's still recovering so thoughts and prayers to shiner after getting after taking a right hook from some russian mma
0: oh so, russia. yeah and anything happens in russia i'm pretty sure russia it might have been china yeah so speaking of intergender mma battles There's been a lot of noise with the PFL 145 or Kayla Harrison this week who wants to get a fight before the end of the year. And it's been beefing back and forth with Cejudo, who I know in the past has kind of gone back and forth with that intergender thing. And then recently, a guy whose name just keeps on getting brought up on this podcast, Tim Elliott, decides to stir the pot. Oh, my Um, God. I think that he chimed in on a comment – to Kayla Harrison, who was just asking for anyone, absolutely anyone, to take a fight. And Ali Abdelaziz was gonna give them a bag. And Tim Elliott says, She don't want those problems. It's easier to fight auto shaped soccer moms in the PFL. And Kayla said, What up, little guy? I'll pay you one fourth of my purse since I know you don't make that much. Show up 1218. And so now Kayla Harrison is challenging the little guy, Tim Elliott, to a fight. December 8th. There's no way that something like that would ever happen in America. That is like, a,
2: let's go to fucking the backwoods of China for that shit. There's no way. But
0: hey, who else? Who doesn't want to see Tim Elliott get his ass kicked? PFL made oh. some real waves this week, though, signing Cl- Clarissa Shields, the two time Olympic gold medalist in boxing, who's probably got the fastest hands in women's MMA. I'm excited to see her bring it bring her boxing over to this sport and then lastly in some grappling news this past weekend was the Ivy JJF No Gi world championships in the absolute division which takes the winners of every weight class and pin them in a tournament to find the absolute winner uh kanan duarte and lucas barbosa closed out the division what that means is they won their respective brackets of the tournament met in the finals and are actually teammates and decided to shake hands and both be co-champions and that gym which I guess just became the best jiu-jitsu gym in the world is atos jiu-jitsu where we talked about izzy drilling last week yeah that's a lot pfl which by the way I'm
2: We'll touch on, because there's some good UFC, or good mixed martial arts a- action and just combat sports action happening this week, so on and so forth. So we'll let you know on times and dates for that stuff, just so you don't miss out on, honestly, the best sport in the world. So, oh, my last one for news and notes, Joe Venny is scheduled to fight Asker Askarov. That's a great fight. That's going to be UFC uh, 259, I believe. So probably early next year, I think that's when it's slated for. But that's exciting. I want to see where Joe Benny can go from here. I doubt he gets another shot at figure there. Actually, I know he won't. So who knows? It might benefit him if uh, Moreno can win this upcoming week or or in two weeks from now. And there's a lot to be played out. This flyweight division is starting to get interesting. From the deathbed that Dana White was going to cut it is now starting to shake up and seems to be, honestly, leading the UFC as far as activity goes recently. So that's exciting to see. So this... Is, is the breaking point from last week with news and notes and everything. And we are now segmenting into the new week. We've always been putting the picks on the graphics. This week we're doing a little different. We're going to add our bets, at least my bets, and also Kobe's new parlay of the week to the end of the episode. So stay tuned, truck along, and we will, f- we will put a couple official plays at the end of this week's podcast and the rest of the podcast going
1: forward. If you don't stick around the whole time, at least fast forward and check them out, because that's where you get the real value here.
2: Yes, yes, yes. If, you're, if you don't want to listen to us blabber, at the very least, check out the picks. They're at the end of the tab. If you miss them, go ahead. Always, they will be on Twitter, the
1: final plays. But we have a little early week preview in this week's episode. Ankle Pickers, we're back from that non-existent ad spot. If you know somebody that would like to advertise before we get into this week's card, Hit us up in the DMs on Twitter, at anklepickpod. We're back. We're ready to roll for this week's fight night card in Vegas. We're going to kick things off with the pronunciation of the week. We've got Parker in the house, as mentioned. The fighter fighting against Nate Landwehr will be, Park. Ah, uh, Okay. Um, I'm going to make sure I pronounce every letter this time. Uh, Mobasar Ivaloff. Not so far off. I think that, like, the mom might be proud of me for that one. I, I give him an A. You're just, you're just trying to put on a little accent there. I give him an A. A Russian accent, maybe, because that's just I don't get those nation I give of an origin. A. All right, Ooh. Park, well done.
2: <laughs> I give him an A. <laughs> and we're going to get into uh, the prelim card for this week's fight card. On December 5th, it's UFC Fight Night, Hermanson versus Vittori. We're going to do a quick recap, or a quick prelim look into, I guess. We have a couple fights we've really starred that we're really excited for. And then we'll get into the main event challenge, which all you guys are used to by now and as the usual. So the first one is Luis Smolka versus Jose Quiones. This line currently sits at uh, Smolka minus 135, Quiones plus 115, similar to where it opened. Um, so something interesting. Kobe, who did you give... Who did you give one of your stars to this week?
1: Who did I have? I had uh, Sue. I think it was Dergy. your first star.
2: Yeah, Sumedhji. And who does Luis Smolka have a win over? Arnbar. It is Derji via Armbar. So they're both. They both have had mixed experiences in the UFC. This is actually Luis Smolka's second stint. He went five and five in his first stint, and then two and two currently. The thing that's crazy about his first stint. This motherfucker ripped off five wins in a row to then proceed and lose five times in a row. Granted, he faced great competition. You look back and you see some of those names and you're like, wow, I have no problem with him losing those. His most recent since he's 2-2, two and two, but one of the wins is over Sumo Dergi, who just went out and absolutely knocked out some guy who doesn't belong in the UFC. But nonetheless, that's a decent win that aged kind of well. Sitting at minus 135 against a guy that I think we all notoriously kind of don't like and Jose Quiones, we, he's very, very beatable, but he's five and three in the UFC, so a very even line. In the fly, uh, they're actually fighting at bantamweight. Smolka used to fight fly to at flyweight, but so interesting. I'm excited to see that fight, and that's one that for a curtain jerker, not bad. Moving forward, Danny, you had something to say about
0: Luis Smolka as well? Yeah, I, I think that we'll remember Luis Smolka the last time he got one arm guillotined by Casey Kenny. And in his loss before that, he also got sub. But he is a decent grappler, right. offensive. Yeah, he's a good
2: grappler. He gets a lot of he wins suff- by, by submission.
0: He suffers when he's getting off his back. But um, I do think that he'll be aggressive here and kind of push Quinones onto his back foot, get him against the get him against the cage. Maybe get him his back on the mat. Uh, I I actually have a slight lean on Smolka here, Absolutely. and I and. I, and that Sumoderirji armbar does play a big impact into it.
2: And that's and you have
0: to remember that's something,
2: not the, the well, the Suudeirji armbar, but the slight lean is something that Vegas reflects. So whether we find it is enough of a lean to play. Find out later in the week. I do want to add a couple bets. I have a couple early that we'll end to the, we'll tack on to the end of the podcast tonight. I don't know if Danny has any, but the place to get all of our picks is always been and always will be Twitter. Because we're doing this so early in the week, we don't finalize until later in the week. So that's really where the money's made. Moving along the card, Dan, and this one, in my humble opinion, is actually going to be the most exciting fight on the prelims. I know you're probably thinking maybe the Taporia fight. This is one that I'm most looking forward to. Gabriel Benitez versus Justin James. The reason why I like this fight so much is because Gabriel Benitez has vicious, vicious leg kicks. But he also has fought high-level, high-talent for a second fight on the prelims. He just recently fought Sadiq Youssef, and that was two fights ago, and then Omar Morales, who was undefeated until recently. He lost both those fights, but he's never won. He's never beaten anyone great in the UFC, although he's been in the UFC for a long time. He's lost to Andre Feely, Enrique Barzola, Sadiq Youssef, Omar Morales. But Justin James has not faced the caliber of people That Benitez's face. Most recently losing to Gavin Tucker, a fan favorite of mine. I love Gavin Tucker. But
0: overall, relatively inexperienced in the UFC. Do you have any lean on this? I have no lean, but I I do think you're right. This one's going to be a complete banger. They're going to meet in the middle, throw hands. Benitez is tough and durable. Speaking of which, go ahead.
2: quickly. No, just really quick. Just for all the listeners, the line is minus 220 favoring Gabriel Benitez against Justin James, plus 180. So I think our inclination was that Benitez was going to lead the dance, but I
0: don't know what you've seen from taping. I know you've done a little more than me this week. What I've seen is not great. I mean, James is that classic example of a wrestler who's falling in love with his right hand, and I expect him to fall in love with in this fight. Um, I do think that he kind of has more tools to get this fight done coming from a wrestling background. And I remember watching an interview with him where he said that he picked his nickname because he, was, he couldn't find any other way to be interesting because he was just a wrestler and he knew people hated that. But since then he's just not wrestled. So I, I, I don't know what to make of this. This is probably a no play for me, but this will be a fun one and I'm expecting fireworks. Yeah, me as well. So that one's going
2: to be exciting, and I actually might have a play on it. Trucking along on the card, and this is going to be uh, Danny's favorite fight of the night. Undefeated Ilya Taporia versus Damon Jackson. Damon Jackson's that underrated grappler, and he, I think he had a surprise upset in his last time out. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then Ilya Teporia, we actually had either as an ankle lock or a big favorite when he when he was actually a dog in his last time out. Um, Damon Jackson both, most recently subbed Mizrod Bechtik, where he was, in fact, a big dog. So this line sits at Ilya Tapuria minus 230, Damon Jackson plus 190. But Damon Jackson, not, not, not he's, he's all too familiar with being the underdog. So I don't think it really phases him here.
0: Yeah, as you, as you mentioned, this is the first of a few really, really fun grappling matchups on this card. Damon Jackson, he's a four-to-seven guy. Uh, he's a great wrestler. He's a good sub game. Toporio is a similarly styled guy. He's a beast of a prospect with phenomenal jiu-jitsu for MMA. Uh, he's, got, he's really, really, really great at transitioning between striking and grappling, finding good entry points, um, kind of taking the fight wherever he wants, which is really why I'm such a big fan of him, not to mention how I think he has a striking advantage here. Damon kind of – I was listening to an interview with him, and Damon kind of thinks that they're going to respect each other's grappling and this one's going to spend the majority of the time on the feet. I really hope not. I would love to see them both grapple and see the transitions and scrambles that they can come up with. Obviously, I I lean Topuria here. I love Topuria. He's one of my favorite prospects in the UFC, and this will be a fun one to watch.
2: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with that one. And that's one that, again – try to stay tuned for us throughout the week because that's one I would not be surprised if one of us end up playing. Flyweight. Jimmy Flick, most recently on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series and getting a contract on this most recent season against Cody Durden, who has been one of the COVID fighters I would classify him as, but nonetheless, he showed up his last time out. I rode him as the dog and it ended up being a draw against Chris Gutierrez, but it was a fair draw, but he's had, he had his moments in that fight and he's going ahead and he's fighting Jimmy Flick, a guy who was fresh off a good performance on the Tuesday night contender series. Dana White was a big fan of him, big fan of his personality, gave him a pretty quick contract, but this is still technically his UFC debut. So it's going to be interesting there. We have Jimmy Flick minus 165 there against Cody Durden, which to me is an interesting line. It opened at Jimmy Flick minus 220. So a lot of love going to Jimmy Flick in that one.
0: So, yeah, which which side of that uh, Durden – or Durden's debut versus Christopher Gutierrez, which side were that were you on? I was on the Durden side. I thought there was – I thought he had a shot there. I He was a big dog. That looked nice when he got the 10-8 in the first. Yeah, Um, and then he just dropped two straight. He – so he – He was a
2: dog, he was a live dog for us, or at least me. He was like plus 200 or 220 in that one, and I I liked his chances there. And it, it, yeah, it looked good, and he ended up getting a draw there. But overall, I I liked his performance, I liked what I saw. Jimmy Flick, these Tuesday night contender series guys, the first batch was unbelievable. Their records have, have been phenomenal in the UFC. I feel like recently we've seen a lot of guys just drop fights. I don't know if Dana White is is forcing contracts through for the show, but we've seen a, a lot of Tuesday contender series guys dropping fights recently. Jimmy Flick my opening at minus two twenty against a guy who's been in the USC octagon. That that surprises me. I don't know if you've taped this one yet, but but there might be a value spot there.
0: So I, I actually do lean flick here. Um, yeah. as as you as Kind of, we said Durden had that ten eight, and then had some severe cardio problems. He's a grind you out wrestler. Who, I think, if you kind if you kind of can survive his onslaught, and you can grapple with him, you can take him into deep waters that he doesn't want to be after his cardio fails him. Uh, Flick himself is a great grappler. He's super slick with his arm chokes and his darses, and he's got some pretty long arms. I actually, this is a weird one where I kind of see the stars lining up, writing on the wall. I've got this as a late sub, a late guillotine by Flick. I think that Durden's going to probably win round one. I think he's going to gas himself out. I think he's going to be shooting for a takedown late in the fight and put his head on the wrong side of the hips one time, and there's going to be a Jimmy Flick guillotine available. That's an in. I would not be
2: surprised. I just – it's, it's so hard to lay. It's something like 220 in this bout here, but interesting nonetheless. I like seeing those Tuesday night contender series guys and where they go from here. Jesus Christ, man. You have 10 beers and all of a sudden you can't stop. Bourbon. Okay. Next, next fight is a lightweight bout. Matt Wyman, long, long, long time UFC bat, recently reemerged in the octagon. He's going up against an undefeated prospect in Jordan. Levit, Levit. Um and that line's massive. That line is Jordan Levit minus 400 and Matt Wyman minus three, or plus 325. I don't know if you're familiar with Matt Wyman. I've been watching him for a long time. He had a really long layoff. I think he might have even retired from the sport. Recently came back and dropped his fight. He's currently at he's currently 37 years old, but it gave him Luis Peña in 2019 when he returned. Then they gave him Joe Selecki in 2019 in his second fight. Lost both of those. Before that, he didn't fight since 2014. So long-time vet of the uh, the sport. He fought guys like Dennis Seaver, Mac Danzig, Cole Miller, all those guys from the old tough tough uh, season. So, so he's been around for a long time, and he's got the experience. But we got a newcomer in here who's clearly physically – superior
0: that cole miller think? fight that's a fun one go rewatch yeah. that if you're a new fan that cole miller fight matt weeman that's an incredible one yeah um, there's a lot of
2: great fights he's he's and he's one of those guys that when i heard he was making his return i was really excited but i didn't know how he'd hold up so far oh and two
0: so this Wait. is the last of that stretch of great grappling matchups and i say great and that's if matt weeman shows up Uh, He was, at one point, a fabulous, fabulous grappler. Levitt himself is a great grappler. Lots of subs on his record. He's decently well-rounded. One tidbit is Matt Weeman has never in his career been subbed. That being said, as Reese mentioned, it's been six years since his last win at all. And so I do think that this line is appropriately laid And I kind of lean Levitt by sub. I think he's going to give Matt his first. Handsome Matt his first sub. I think handsome Matt's going to tap. Yeah. And the thing is,
2: when we talk about those statistics, I remember the big one that was going around was Frankie Edgar has never been finished in the octagon. Frankie Edgar is the guy who fought the most minutes in the octagon ever. He never gets finished. All of a sudden we started seeing him getting finished At at a certain point. The age and the, it just takes a toll on you and I, dropping 0-2 since his return, it's it's tough to see it going any different than how we kind of expect it in the 400 line shows. So capping off the prelims here, Jan Vellante versus Jake Collier. Jake Collier is ginormous, used to fight at middleweight, currently fighting at heavyweight. I guess the quarantine pounds hit him hard. And then Jan Vellante, as we all know, looks like the Michelin man on steroids. So this fight is going to be just hilarious. Let, not so much good as far as quality goes, but hilarious because it's going to be two beer belly guys throwing absolute haymakers. Definitely yeah. not betting this one.
0: This one for me is your classic dad and uncle fighting at the barbecue <laughs> matchup. Both of these guys are coming off a of long layoff. Or not, they are one fight off of coming off a of long way, layoff. And they looked super fat, super out of shape in that return. Um, Jan Vellante actually put on a pretty good performance coming in super slow and super out of shape against Mo Green until he got choked. But I actually had him winning that fight. When you look at Collier or Collier, he looked absolutely terrible. He looked like he had eaten another person and... I, I've never seen someone look night and day so different than how they used to enter the octagon. I see him exiting the octagon, or I see him leaving the UFC, getting a pink slip very, very, or, or very soon. I like Vellante here. I like him in parlays. I'm probably not going to play him straight, but Michelin I really man do like Vellante at, here.
2: The Michelin man, Jan Vellante, sitting at minus 200 right now, so that's a decently steep price to pay for 2000 fat little tubs of lard to get gas out like like last week, like Parisian fucking needed an inhaler. Okay, moving on for everyone's favorite slash least favorite segment of the week. It is heating up desperately. I have fallen drastically and it is now starting to get hot, hot in the main event challenge. Kobe, this is the time of the night where I hand it off to you. Let us know the scores. And I think... I think that's it. But go ahead. <laughs> let us know whatever you need to let us know.
1: <laughs> so three cards left in this this year long program that we got going on. That is the main event challenge. It's tight at the bottom, and we haven't finished decided on the punishment. But at this point, it might just be a default malort punishment. But we we can work that out. Uh, <laughs> a fifth. A fifth. <laughs> one thirty eight. One thirty eight in four and five. That's Parker and Max. Reese one point ahead of them at one thirty nine. DK has got a little bit of a distance between him and the rest of the pack there at 145. And I'm out ahead at 169. Nice. I mean, Vegas Kobe is not going to be caught country
2: club vague. He's clearing since Parker's been riding him. He also has been clearing and is caught all the way up to the bunch. The thing is you're not tuning in to this amazing program to listen to us pick chalk all week. And all five analysts say, all five favorites. So you know what? There's flaws to the game. If I need to pick underdogs and drink a fifth of Malort in exchange for some underdogs that cash, which we've had. Danny has two last week alone. Talk call up uh Al for that one. We were on the island there. Never
1: share her the week before. Whatever,
2: dude. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna truck along with the main event challenge. I'm gonna truck along with the underdogs, and I'm not even worried. And I'm one point up, the standings are close. Fifth of Malort might be might be on our Twitter feed soon. So going forward, we will start it off, and the order this week is gonna be me, Danny, Kobe, and then Parker follows Kobe. So me, Danny, Kobe will be the will be the order this week. We'll mix it up. Next week, I'm not going first. You know what? Actually, changing the order instantly because I know what Danny wants to say. Danny, you go first tonight. You go first, I'll go second. Kobe, you go third. Take this Take this one to the bank because I know you got nothing but good things to say.
0: Yeah, Reese knows Reece knows me. He knows how much I like this prospect, Movsar. Uh, he is super fun. He's a Tiger Muay Thai guy. He's one of Piotr Jan's main training partners. He brings a Dagestani wrestling background to Piotr's unbelievably technical boxing. Uh, and he's just super fun to watch in the octagon. He's precise, he's technical, he's the complete package. That being said, I've got him by decision. I don't think he gets Landwehr out of there. Yeah, so
2: (laughs) I feel feel like a, a fuck because I'm also on him by decision, but I don't be surprised if I throw Landwehr in some sort of parlay or something. That 400 line, plus 420 or whatever he's at, I think Evelev is probably going to roll this man, but not at a minus 500 clip. That is crazy talk. Seems unbettable to me. Nonetheless, Evelev by decision as well, Dan.
1: I'm also on Evelev by decision. Park anything, Dan? There you go,
2: Country Club. I knew you were there. Nothing, Dan. We got a nod. You're following country clubs, so you're also an evolve by decision. If if the evolve line is too steep, the by decision isn't terrible. It's close to like, is it PK? I think maybe a slight favorite. So I think something like that. Yeah, that, I mean that's a very way. That's a very good way to get value on that line. But again, Landwer plus four fifty to if once once you're down in the prelims, you need to play catch up ball. Okay, the next fight we have Roman Delice versus John Allen. I'm sure you guys are are snoozing, but now you're finally going to get the intel on ankle lock of the week. You're going to dive into the mind of Danny Koritz. Danny, go ahead. Break this one down. We all know your pick already.
0: Yeah. Delize, an absolute beast. He's got great striking. He's got scary power. Obviously, he's a power puncher, power kicker. Allen is someone who's coming off of a long USADA suspension. So regardless of, of what you think about him, you got to imagine that he's going to be a little bit weaker, a little bit slower entering this, not juiced up. And honestly, I think Delizze rolls a juiced up Allen. Yeah. I've got Delizze KO, TKO. I think he's head and shoulders better than him. Let's go. <clears throat> For those who don't know what Delizze
2: looks like either, he's a, a relatively recent prospect, an absolute massive man. Massive. I mean, he's a guy that you look at him walking on the street and you're like, look at this monster barreling towards me. You know what I mean? He's a massive man. For those who don't get that, always oh, sunny in Philadelphia. I know Danny got it. Kobe, it might have gone over his head. So <laughs> <laughs> he's a monster. He's ginormous. I'm with Danny, and it's also our ankle lock. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and say, Delete a by KOTKO as well. I, I don't really see this one hitting the cards.
1: I'll take the guy on size pills, Delete KOTKO. Yeah, he's on he's on size
2: pills, and and sooner or later they're going to start giving him Mexican ephedra because that's just absurd. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so Parker's following suit. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll quote we'll quote Sunday all night. We can't get bogged down by Donovich there, but uh, Parker will follow suit. Two of our favorite prospects to start off the main event challenge. So I'm not totally surprised we're chalked there. Going on women's flyweight bout Montana De La Rosa versus Talia Santos. For those who turned in or tuned into the point .5 episode, you probably heard our thoughts on this one. But, Danny, I'll I'll kick it off to you regardless. What you got? And uh, by what?
0: So, yeah, this is an interesting one. I know that I bragged about my return to women's MMA, but I want to kind of Homer Simpson meme back into the bushes for this one. <laughs> um, because I'm going to go with the underdog, De La Rosa, by decision. The way that I see it is that if De La Rosa can take her down, she will win easily. The takedown defense for Tyla is, is a really big question mark for me after watching that Mara Barella fight. And watching her beat up a boxer, Molly McCann, doesn't really prove anything in terms of takedown defense. So I'm going to ride De La Rosa on the off chance that she can get the takedowns, and I'll feel real good about myself if that takedown comes early. Boom happy
2: you said that i'm actually pivoting off that i actually think meatball molly is a phenomenal wrestler although she does like to utilize her boxing she's very powerful this division the one thing that danny did touch on for a second is they do have uh, a similar component in barella and the favorite here talia santos lost and montana de la rosa won so if mma math actually worked Danny would be right. Unfortunately, it doesn't. I, I don't foresee exactly what Danny thought. I do agree that there's questions, questions to be answered. And so I, I don't think I'm going to ride this one or bet this one. The one thing I, I might end up riding, though, is the over, over two and a half here. I see this one being a very slow, paced-out fight. Uh, so I'm going to go Talia Santos. I'm going to do it by decision. And it's mainly because I think that the, her, the performance she put out against Meatball Molly, I was able to tape the main card this week. I, I think – I like the improvement she's made from fight to fight. I think this is a very winnable fight for her. Line aside, I know it's sitting around minus 200 right now in favor of Santos. But I, I just – I really think this one goes to decision. I think she edges her out of the cards. I, I, I really do. I, I I might add it to a parlay, but, but don't hold your breath on that one. Kobe, I'm country club Kobe. I'm sure you're following suit.
1: I'm following suit. Tyler Santos decision.
2: There you go. So you got Danny going out on the limb. And honestly, even though I have the drink of fifth of my lord, I hope you cash in. Danny's underdogs picks are usually pretty nice. So if you're hurting down the stretch, but disclaimer, massive disclaimer, women's MMA. So moving forward. We got the co-main event. Now, this is a spot that I really am excited to pick. We have a light heavyweight bout against the annual ankle pick fade in Oving St. Peru, OSP, and he's fighting an up-and-coming prospect in Jamail Hill, a guy who I believe was on the contender series as well, but has a lot to offer to this division. Very big, very powerful guy. Weirdly, also has two no contests where you don't see too often. And he's fighting Oving St. Peru, a guy that a lot of people have said is past his prime, but Nonetheless, he just uh, had a pretty good outing last time around, and he beat uh, Alonzo Manyfield, I believe, by knockout. So whether that was a game plan issue or a props to OSP, this one's this one's definitely one that I'm in, 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 excited to tune in for. So, Danny, wh- what do you got in
0: this one, and, and where are you going? This is a weird one for me. Um, looking at it on paper, OSP obviously has a major experience advantage. And he's fight fought the who's who, including John Jones. Um, the weird thing for me when I look at it is that Hill loves to strike from a distance, and he kind of I won't say struggles because he's undefeated, he hasn't struggled much in his career, but that he mainly operates from distance, and this will be the first fight in that professional career that he's actually at a reach disadvantage. So we'll have to find a way to work inside on Owen St. Prue, who we learned in that of field fight, can still throw a counter left hook with the best of them. I'm going to go OSP here. And I, I know it's crazy. And I know it's a guy I fade all the time. I'm going to go OSP by sub. I think that he has just, or actually I'm going to go OSP by decision. Um, he just has so many more ways to win this fight, including having a major ground advantage. I think that Jamal Hill is going to have trouble closing the distance. And obviously I could be very wrong about that. And I'll fall on that sword, but i I'm going to go OSB here. And I'm going to go by decision. So Danny, I love that pick.
2: I preached episode time and time again, that experience pays dividend in this sport more than any other sport experience, age, being battle tested, having good experience, fighting top level guys that you mentioned, John Jones, Dominic Reyes, so on and so forth. That, that, really really truly pays off because it puts you in tough spots you have adversity you know how to get out of them you just have the fight iq that a lot of people a lot of these younger guys lack osp has proven to me time and time again that that doesn't matter for him he loses fights that are very winnable he gases out against ben rothwell he half the time doesn't even seem like he wants to be in the octagon i'm i'm gonna go jamael hill here i i think That Jameel Hill, although inexperienced, and I actually did see what you saw, that he used his his range striking. If you look at the Darko Stosic fight, that's where you'll really see it. He utilizes it, and he ends up getting the decision. I foresee this going similar to that. I think that he has a chance to get the knockout. I think he has the chance to to capitalize later in the fight as OSP starts to gas. But I, I think it's more likely going to hit the s- scorecards where that distance striking really benefits him. If it hits the mat, Dan, I think you're a winner. I really do. If it hits the mat, I think you're a winner. I just don't even know as, if OSP is going to look to take it there. So I'm going to go Jamal Hill by decision.
1: I'm also going to be on Hill by decision. I'm on fade and- OSP until... Something I was about say, give, give to say, give us some
2: sort not. of reasoning. Uh, give us some sort of reasoning other than chalkboard. Okay, we'll take it. Main event time, boys, for the main event challenge. We got the, the 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 fight that's changed four times over, but we're excited to have it. It was Jack Hermanson versus Darren Till. It was then Jack Hermanson versus Kevin Holland. It's now Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori, one of my Italian brethrens. I have 1% Italian in me. Me and Marvin Vittori, let's go. This one's going to be interesting. It's a very close line. Marvin Vittori is currently sitting at minus 140. He was opening, I think, closer to PK, and it slowly faded up. I'm going to leave this one off due to the fact for my love for Marvin Vittori, and I'm going to pull a ginormous switcheroo on everybody and let them know that I'm actually going to be on Hermanson this week. Yep, I said it. I'm going to be on Jack Hermanson this week. I love Marvin Vittori. I think he actually has a genuine path of moving up the rankings and potentially having a shot at the title, if not holding the title. I'm a, I'm a true pure fan of his. I think he actually was very close to winning that fight against Israel Adesanya for those who haven't seen it. Big fan of Marvin Vittori. I, I, from what I saw on taping, he's 27 years old. Everything I just talked about, I see happening more around 30. He... Has some room to grow. He leans on his submissions. I think that Jack Hermanson, although being a white white belt along with Habib and, and Hazmat, I think he's shown the ability to the ability and the knowledge to fight off submissions. And what I really saw from taping was that Hermanson is is I think the pressure fighting, the Tory's usually that guy. And the guy who can apply more pressure early and dictate where this fight goes is going to be the one who wins on the cards. Now, where does five rounds play a factor? I'm pretty sure this is Marvin Vittori's first time going 5 hermanson Hermansen's been there before, I believe, a couple of times. After taping, going into taping, I was all over Marvin Vittori. I, I I have since switched. Whether I bet it or not, that that is yet to be determined. But I, I, I'm I'm hard. There's pa- Danny's going to touch on this in a second. There's past to victories for both of them. I just think Hermanson's is the is the most likely. I'm going to take Hermanson, and I'm shockingly going to do it by decision, which is crazy for a five round bout. But let's do it,
0: Reese. Reese, you crazy dog. Hmm. I was I was giving you the lead to maybe surprise everyone, but I might have ruined that. Uh, the way I see this, white belt Jacker Manson has some of the best MMA jujitsu in the UFC. Um, he was favored against both Darren Till and Kevin Holland, and obviously he's an underdog going into this Marvin Bittori fight. And we said it on the on the point five episode. It's because. Vittori's takedown defense is just so much better than those guys. I don't see Jack being able to implement his jiu-jitsu game plan nearly as easily as he wants to or as early as he wants to. He struggled to get Cannoneer down, and that killed him because of Cannoneer's power. Jack doesn't really have that power. or um, Whatever, Vittori Vittori does have power, but he doesn't have the same Cannoneer power. I think that he should light up Hermanson on the feet if Hermanson can't get this to the mat. I don't think he'll be able to finish him. But, Reese mentioned it, this is a five-round fight. This is not a three-round fight. I think that the longer that this fight goes, the more and more and more the advantage sways to Jack Hermanson to catch Marvin Vittori in something. Especially, especially if Marvin Vittori gets tired, which he's shown to do in I mean, the Andrew Sanchez fight even, the Cesar Ferreira fight. Every time he goes to the third round, he gets a little bit tired and he shows it. I thought that I'd be on an island here. So what I went to go get during the break. <laughs> Jack Hermanson. Restole my decision, so I'm going to go by sub because I love <laughs> Jack. Give me my white belts and let them implement their ground game yeah wave the I, flag I Dan, Danny couldn't have said it better himself I the,
2: the 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 truth of the matter is Hermanson the the longer this fight goes the better it is for him I had similar feelings to Vittori that I had with Jacare and Hermanson shut me up real quick I actually was lucky enough to see that one live so I'm happy to see both of us on the dog does Kobe pick a dog this evening
1: I'm sticking with the favorite, Vittori, by ugh, decision. I know you guys basically just talked me off that, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, on looking, I'm looking at his fight where he got a split decision from Izzy. And, and that's, Bullshit
2: but, split decision, mind
0: you.
1: Well, I, I'm taking it anyway, and I think that's where Parker is too.
0: I don't Parker, see this Parker being a striking a battle for as long as that Izzy fight was. Parker
2: did not have a choice in the matter. I, I just... i. The Izzy fight was a three-rounder. Don't don't forget that. So going forward, main event challenge, we're going to do that throughout the year. We're loving this. We're loving it. Continue to go follow us on Twitter. We love the interaction. We've been getting a couple uh, new followers that have been interacting with us during fight nights and throughout the week, and we greatly appreciate it. Before the sign-off, a couple things of note. Kobe's going to take over the parlay of the week, and we are calling it even. From now on, Kobe, do you have one ready on air right now on the spot?
1: I've got one ready, and we're not just gonna call it even. Like, it is even. This is my first parlay of the week. No, he's
2: not, you're right, and it's not inheriting, it's not inheriting Shiner's mess. For those of you who would not want to inherit
1: that mess, his his, his four unit in six weeks mess. Um, so originally I was thinking that my parlay of the week was gonna be Ilya Tapuria. Roman Delice and Jamel Hill, but Danny kind of talked me off the Jamel Hill. His confidence in uh, OSP, who's a constant fade, is uh, enough to at least take him off the parlay of the week. I'm still on Jamel Hill, but uh, not for the parlay of the week. So I'm just going to stick with Ilya Tsipuri Roman Delice. It's modest. It's a plus 120 number, but uh, that's hey, where we're going to kick things off.
2: I, I, I'm sick of people saying that you need to have a plus 900 plus 1100 parlay. You know what I call that? Burning money. Okay. The plus 120s, if they hit, they're winners. So I'd love to hear it. That's the parlay of the week. It'll also be on our graphic once again, over on Twitter. For me, so far early in the week, I've only taped the main card and then I started up the prelim card. I do have a lot of background knowledge. This is one that I did happen to take, and you're not going to be surprised based on what I talked about. It is Jack Hermanson. It's only going to be a probably a two, a two unit play maybe if may, maybe maybe a one unit maybe a one unit but uh the the plus 120 lines enticing I'm still holding right now I've not placed it yet I think the line honestly might steam even a little bit higher but I'm fine playing them all the way up to say even so it doesn't bother me if I lose a little bit of value taking the risk to gain some value but I, I think Jack hermanson's a decent play this week I'm probably gonna have three or more three or four more plays on iron right now so hopefully those finalize Danny's blank right now, but we'll have some plays on the graphic later in the week. The new working man is busy, busy. So I, we hope you all enjoyed this show yet again. We do, 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 do really appreciate the support. You guys have been going crazy for us. You've been liking, you've been rating, you've been subscribing, you've been following us Twitter, you've been interacting with us, and we really do appreciate it. Any comments or anything you guys want to talk about, we love it, and We'll take any advice into consideration. And we also just love talking to the fans so the the DMs are always open. Um, Anything else, boys, to finish it off, to close out the night?
0: I'm wishing every one of our listeners the best of luck in their gambling slates this week. I know college basketball just kicked off, and it's given a lot of people, including me, some trouble. (laughs) Keep that good luck chugging. Keep positive vibes going. Let's win some money together.
2: Yes, 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 yes. And hopefully we can of that money into soon UFC victories coming up this weekend. We definitely got a lot of picks. I know I've been hitting the sheets hard, so I'm excited for that. So thank you again for tuning into episode 22. I cannot believe it's already been 22. And we'll check you next time at 22.5 coming up next Monday.
1: Cue the music.